You're listening to the Just Giants Podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Pass rush coming, and Jones is able to get away. And now thinking first down, and Daniel Jones will get it. Welcome back to Just Giants, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the football grump, and with me as always is Mike the Cranky Fan. Hey, Grump. I'm going to be a little crankier than usual because one of my arch ne- nemesises, nemesi? Nemesi? Nemesis? The Tampa Bay Bucks are in the Super Bowl, and I have to sit and take it with all of my friends who are Buck fans. Even though I did predict they would win, I um, sucks because all of you pricks out there, you know who you are, <laughs> actively rooting against the Giants and all of their multiple Super Bowl runs. So don't come looking for me to root for the for the Bucks <laughs> in a time like this. So, <laughs> well, getting to the Super Bowl is is you know an enormous feat, but also is only a footnote in NFL history. If you don't win, nobody really cares. So, um, and I mean that that's really evident in the 2001 Giants. Uh, I, I was just gonna say, can anybody talk about anything about that? that game necessarily other than the uh, the kickoff return for the touchdown. I mean, there's really nothing memorable about it from a Giants standpoint. I mean, <laughs> from a Giants standpoint, not at all. I would say that all. that playoff run was exciting, but once they got to the Super Bowl, I mean, that game was over as soon as it started. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, we were – I felt really good going into that game. Going into it, sure. I thought we were going to win. I really did. Now, that was the year where – you know, the cliches were going out there. Oh, this is the worst one seed of all time. You know, that nonsense. I, I've never even I, – I don't remember that. I, I was a little bit younger, so I, oh, yeah. I wasn't as invested. The, the internet wasn't really what it is now, you know, where you right. can't ignore it even if you're not on it. Um, I don't really remember that, but that is hands down one of the stupidest things I've ever heard. Oh, it's, it's really – yeah. It's like – it's really dumb. <laughs> That's like saying that's the worst sex you've ever had. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> so that's all the versions out there. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. That that's nonsense. And, and you know, hats off to Tampa Bay because I was trashing them. I, I mean, there's recording of it. I was hoping, man, I was itching. If if the Giants got into the playoffs, I wanted to play Tampa Bay first. I wanted another shot at that team. I thought for sure the Giants would 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 win that game if we played Tampa first. I was all about it. And for some reason, all of a sudden, this defense that the media was talking about all year for Tampa that looked like horse shit, suddenly, the moment I say that they're just terrible, they start playing really well. I mean, they, they have a secondary full of nobodies that played like garbage all year. And all of a sudden, they play Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees, and they just absolutely play lights out. I think that's kind of a you know an example, and I think the Giants are a bit an example too. Is if your front four and your front seven play really well, you can make up for deficiencies in the back part of your defense. And you know now that the, the Bucks are healthy now, Vita Veda is healthy. Uh, you know, JPP has been healthy for an extended period of time, and that that's why their defense has been playing better. I mean, you see guys out in space who kind of get lost still, but. You know, there's not as much time to throw, and they're they're doing a good job stopping running games, and they're doing just enough. I mean, the Bucks are not going to be a team that's going to, you know, their defense is going to carry them to a Super Bowl. This is not, you know, the the, the 2002 uh, Bucks with 
with Sapp and Lynch and all of those guys. They're, they're going to have to score, and they have to outscore teams. And, you know, it, we saw two quarterbacks that really didn't play that great, if you think about it, you know, in the second, in the second half. And, um, you know, that's why I never believe the when, when some team is up by 10 and you're like, oh, I'd rather be, you know, the team down by 10. And, and like, no, I'll always take a lead. It's just so much harder to come back when you're playing against, you know, teams at this level. And they did, they, they did what they – pretty much what I thought was going to happen in this game. Pretty much happened. All right, I'm going to hit on two things you said here. Uh, the first is that, you know, having a great pass rush really covers up for – uh, deficiencies in the back end and I'm 100% behind that I, I saw some nonsense floating out there from, from people I respect people you know that are they're very smart analysts etc saying that it, it you know it doesn't matter how good your pass rush is if your secondary is trash because it's going to take at least two seconds to get to the quarterback etc obviously that's true but what you're talking about there is playing press man and not getting beat like immediately like a two second mm-hmm. read is, is nothing I mean, that's not enough time for a quarterback to really... That's like pre-snap, that's deficiency in scheme, and that's not playing aggressively on the outside. I would rather have a good... I mean, obviously you want balance, right? I mean, this is inherent. We don't need to discuss that. But if I have to pick a good side and a bad side, I would rather have a better front four and a weak back end than a better back end and a weak front four. And the reason is really simple. If you can't get to the quarterback in six seconds, I don't care what your collection of DBs are. They can't cover guys for six seconds. They well, can't. Well, what about this? Well, what about this? If you have a weak front four and a, a strong back end, a strong front four, you stop the run. You, you stop everything. I mean, if you, and, and, you, know, you stop the I mean, run and the quarterback is making quick decisions, he's got to get it out fast. Mistakes happen that way. You can bait quarterbacks that way. You well, know, just in the, in the play calling, all of a sudden, if you know you're going to have trouble running, you're going to go into a, ga- a game with a game plan of, you know, probably more pass heavy. And during a game, if it's just not working at all, you have to just either completely abandon it or just be very, very strategic. And that changes what some teams do best. So, yeah, I mean, to me, it's a no-brainer. I'd rather, you know, that's why you see the Giants have invested, you know, with draft picks to, to fortify the, the, the interior of the line going out. That's why they made such a, you know, the big trade uh, for Williams. And, you know, and we'll see how much if, they, if they're going to resign and how much it's going to cost. But that's why you do that. I mean, that, that, that just is the anchor of everything. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, it's 100% awesome that Patrick Graham has gotten a lot out of a secondary that he didn't have a lot of control over, right? I mean, James Bradbury is excellent. Jabril Peppers is pretty good, you know. But other than that, I mean, Logan Ryan, all these guys, they elevated their play. They played higher than expectations, and that's awesome. That's a tribute to coaching. But ultimately, this team isn't going to get better unless they can rush the quarterback, period. Logan Ryan, for a while last offseason, was looking for work. I mean, he wasn't like a 12 o'clock midnight signing somewhere for max value. He was a guy that kind of was out there and was available for the taking for anybody. And he has, to your point, has elevated his play – in this past season, but he was not a, a blue chip can't miss, you know, free agent signing where everybody was falling over themselves for. No, I mean, and some of that was, was, uh, some financial leveraging on his part and that's, that's perfectly fine. But the fact remains is that he had to do that because people weren't tripping over themselves to throw money at him. Exactly. Yeah. So, so yeah, you're a hundred percent right. The other things I want to talk about is, um, 
about both quarterbacks not playing well. 100%. I thought I was going to be the one that brought that in there. But I thought both of these quarterbacks played pretty poorly. I mean, I, I don't know. It, Tom Brady in this game went for 280 yards, three touchdowns, sure, but also three picks, some of them pretty ugly. Um, and not only that, Packers DBs were dropping them. I mean, I mean, he had I, at least like five on that in that game. And I'm going to defend Brady for a little bit that he wasn't getting much help from his receivers either. No, he wasn't. But I'm just saying, uh, yeah, th- this this is uh, for a game that was 31-26. You'd be surprised how bad the quarterbacks were not. Well, I mean, game, really, for a game where the you know the 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 stars you know and they have a, a a movie poster where it says like Stallone and Bruce Willis in <laughs> whatever movie. This move, this game was set up as Brady Rogers in the AF, in the AFC Championship game. So, you know, the expectation and the hype was all about you know these two all-time quarterbacks, and they both of them were kind of below average. I mean, not as bad as Peyton they, Manning in that final run with the with no. obviously Denver, but still, you know, uh, he Brady's going to get more credit than he I think ultimately deserves for the playoff run. I think. He deserves the credit, and it, we're not even going to start the, well, now he's the GOAT, because that argument's been decided a while ago, but he made this team into a playoff contending team pretty much almost by himself, but he has not been the one who they put him on his back and has led him through this playoff run. It's been the defense has been playing better, and they have that opportunistic, and guys like Leonard Fournette running the ball well. they become more balanced. Eh, he had a better game this game, you know. Well, he had a better game, but my my question about that was where was he in the fourth quarter? Kind of, like he was doing, he was doing lots of damage, and then there was a long stretch where he wasn't in the game. And I was asking you know, my butt friends, where is he? And then that became a Twitter thing. Where is he? Came back later in the fourth quarter, but there was really no explanation why. Well, Tampa also, pretty- it seemed like I I don't know if it was offensively, defensively, or both, but their foot was suddenly off the gas. Mm-hmm. Um, you know they they came out with a, a huge halftime lead. Uh, what was it, twenty one ten? I think at halftime. Yeah. Um, I mean, some of that was also like defensive stunner there, but like <clears throat> they they well, did guess- not come out with any sort of urgency in the third quarter, and they really let Rogers do some stuff. Um, so let, let's go back to you know we talked about it at length last week. Let's talk about it again. Coaching decisions. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know. What did you think about the fourth down decision to go for it in that spot late in the first half? Oh, oh, 100%. Well, th- so they they had the punt team out there and somebody right. called timeout. I don't remember who. And then they went – absolutely. I was wondering why the hell they were bringing the punt team out there to begin with. I mean with the amount of time that was left on the clock, fourth and four – you well, know, there, wasn't a lot, there wasn't a lot of time on the clock left. How much was there? 13 like, seconds? Yeah, see to me, again – I am I am trying in my older age to not be so risk averse and understanding, you know the. I don't even know really what the risk is. Is that you give well, the risk, the risk Aaron Rodgers thirteen seconds to go from not even well almost midfield still in the Tampa Bay end? He can get what maybe three plays off. The worst you give up is a field goal. Right. Well, that was my risk. Was like I don't I don't want to get in that situation. I I do not want to have an outcome where I'm giving up points, and I felt there was a bit. A greater chance that the Bucks would be giving up points in that scenario than them actually, you know, 
just either they got the first down just kneeling on it, or you know, then they just went for it, which I thought was a genius play once they got the first down. You know, because they certainly weren't expecting that, and that basically. Well, I don't know how we're gonna have to talk about the defense too, but I don't know but how here's the thing. you don't expect anything like that. Isn't that exactly the same play that got uh, Greg Williams fired from the Jets? Like, you know, I, I know that was the end of a game as opposed to a half, but it's unconscionable how there's no safety help back there or nobody back there to expect. that They, they were completely unprepared for it. I, I don't know if it was just the – it was fourth down and, you know, everybody was just thinking about it and everybody just took a collective breath. It was first down. No, after the fourth down because it was, it was yeah, but it, so it's it's first and ten from the forty. They have eight right. seconds, so you have to be thinking probably something in the area of ten yards is or where a there bomb. is or a bomb, right? So I mean, I don't know how you don't play too deep there. Yeah, of course. I, I just don't get it. I don't know what you're trying to accomplish. I mean, at worst, you give up. A, a three-point play there. You, your real mistake is is letting them convert the fourth down anyway. At that point, they're at the forty-yard line. You've almost surrendered the three-point play already, in my opinion. I mean, right. obviously try and stop them, but you know, if, if they kick a field goal, your screw up was on fourth down when you couldn't stop them on fourth and four. Right. Um, you know, the field goal there, it's kind of I wouldn't say expected, but. It's not a huge loss, but what you cannot do is allow a big play, period. Yeah, of course. So that was horrible. I mean, just really, really bad. Um, I didn't really have a whole lot else on this Tampa Bay-Green Bay game other than um, I don't know why I have to keep reminding Giants fans is every time that Jason Pierre-Paul does something good that it wasn't a mistake to let him go. He was not let go due to talent issues. It was simply that the Giants were sort of cornered into giving him a big contract. And when, you know, the team itself, from all aspects, didn't play well in 2017, they were forced to reevaluate everything on the books. And he was one of the guys that had to go just based on his contract. Yeah. It, it has nothing to do with... There was no way that it made any sense to bend over backwards and keep him uh, when when you're pretty much restructuring the entire books, all of yeah. your books are being changed. They well, would have loved to keep a talent like him, especially I because he's what, a hometown guy. But I think what was, was frustrating to a lot of Giant fans, and we have discussed this on the show, about were we rebuilding or were we not rebuilding? That's a fair yeah. argument, but I mean, I mean, no, I'm saying there's a lot of mixed signals that were given out by this front office for a couple of years. You know, it was <laughs> the are we are we going to make another run at Eli? Well, if you are. Put all your chips to the front. You know, you you suck up. You know, you have JPP on the roster, and you figure out other ways to make the cap work. But you know, it's like, okay, well, we're going to cut him for cap reasons, which sounds like we're rebuilding. But we are still going to play Eli. So, but maybe we'll draft a quarterback. So it was just all part of a greater narrative of what the hell were we doing for two, three years? And that's a valid, valid argument, but. Uh, to completely ignore JPP's contract whenever discussing his departure from the Giants is just being ignorant on purpose. It's the only reason why he was... It is 100% the only reason why he is gone. That's it. And not for nothing. Not for nothing. They're playing really well, but in his time in Tampa Bay, he has missed huge chunks of the season due to an off-season car accident, 
Sure. And and, yeah. and, and the fact that the, this Tampa Bay team was horse shit until Tom Brady showed up anyway. So it's not like the Giants traded away Von Miller and the Denver Broncos run to the Super Bowl where he's playing at an all-star level. The, let's just relax for a fucking minute here and just enjoy the football that we're allowed to watch without making it a fucking hot take about everything the Giants did for the last five years. Um, yeah, I didn't really have much else on this Green Bay-Tampa Bay game um, other than, to me, the real difference in this game ended up being defense you know, making the most of turnovers. Uh, you know, I, we were saying that uh, it was 21-10 at halftime, and then immediately Green Bay comes out and fumbles and it sets Tampa Bay right up for a touchdown to go 28-10. to is pretty brutal to have to come back from. Um, Green Bay just didn't capitalize on, you know, the interceptions that Tom Brady was throwing all over the place. I think my takeaway from this game and really from the last two weeks in the NFC side is there are no really great NFC teams. I mean, there's a lot of teams that are pretty decent, but... I thought Green Bay was really good coming into this game. I really thought... And Aaron Rodgers played like crap. I mean, that is 100% how that ended up. I mean, you get three interceptions of Tom Brady and you only score seven points on it is not good enough. Yeah, but I mean, I think... I mean, they're good. I mean, but is there any... Was there anybody in this conference you're like, that is a clear-cut one seed? Like, did you think that... Did you think Green Bay was the equivalent of not as good as Kansas City, but like that's the Kansas City of the NFC? I I never thought that even like watching New Orleans this year, watching Green Bay, uh, you know, I just never got the sense that there's really a great team on this side of the ledger. And I, I think, I think in a normally I think in a normal year, Green Bay this year was a quote unquote great team. Kansas City, and this is a good pivot into the other game. Kansas City is playing at a level the last two years now that I think is I mean I, I hope this isn't like hyperbole because I'm not trying to be ridiculous but they're playing at a level that I would say is unprecedented right yeah, I mean like I mean, they, they are just offensively I, I don't know what to do to stop this team I, I, I don't I don't know what to do I mean I think the only way you really stop them and this is not a strategy by any means because I'm not Greg Williams but if you can hit Patrick Mahomes enough to keep him out of the game, is the only way I think you stop them. I'm not. I'm not kidding. The scheme is too good. The players have too much speed on offense, and Mahomes makes throws that are just unfair. I I don't know. I mean, the only thing I can compare to this run of the last two years is that Patriot run, which included the the, the 16 and 0 season. I mean, there just, that offense was on another planet also. It was a different style. I mean, it wasn't as flashy and it wasn't as right. improvisational as this one is. I mean, a lot of what makes this uh, Kansas City offense so exciting is that you have two things. You have Mahomes who creates something literally out of nothing. It's something that no other quarterback can do with his arm. I mean, a lot of quarterbacks can make something out of nothing with their legs, but he throws in these different arm angles and, and different angles of his body, which nobody can do. Mm-hmm. And you have a guy like Duke Hill who's just, uh, you know, you know I, I, again, I watch a lot of Florida games and I see a guy like uh, Kadarius Tony who can, is like this little jitterbug who just weaves in and out and it's like a, a video game back and forth. Well, this guy does it with speed that's like a 4-2 as opposed to a 4-6. He's, you know, 
even more slippier and even more quick and even more moves. Uh, and, oh, by the way, they have right now who's probably the best tight end in the league who, when you forget about talking about Travis Kelsey, gets 12 catches and 150 yards and two touchdowns every game. I, I don't know what you do to stop this team right now. It's uh, that's what I mean. I mean, with with, with you, Tampa Bay, you, uh, you try to outscore them. Is what you have, all you can do. Yeah, I mean, you have to. I I so I came into this game thinking I had both of my my predictions wrong. I thought I thought Green Bay won by six. I had no idea that it would be such a ridiculous uh, show up by Tampa Bay's defense, or or you could say Aaron Rodgers not playing up to the way he was playing before that. Which, whichever you pick, take your pick. I thought Buffalo was going to come in here. I, I had questions about how Mahomes was going to look um, coming into this game, being rattled the week before. Um, and I thought defensively they would have put up some kind of fight. And yeah. they, I, I didn't even – Kansas City was like not even in third down that often. I mean, truly. I just felt it was a great, great – offense as opposed to a defense not showing up. I never got the feeling like well, they're unprepared. It was just like, there's nothing you can do about that. I mean, I don't know <laughs> there, which there, it is. I mean, you flip a, a coin and, and take your answer, but yeah, I mean, it's it's not like it's not like people were just making catches out of their ass. I mean, Travis Kelsey is wide open on third down. I mean, maybe that's scheme, maybe that's defensive scheme not being very good. Maybe Travis Kelsey is just incredible. Maybe it's a combination of all, but there was no point in that game where I was like, even even the Buffalo started this game ten nothing or nine nothing. They missed the extra point, but they started this game scoring all the points. And at no point did I feel like uh, I don't know if Kansas City is going to win this one. And I was the one predicting them to lose. They, they the second quarter came out and this game was fucking over in the second quarter. I, I don't I don't care what anybody says. It was twenty one to twelve by halftime. This game was as over as over. And you know, not to take anything you said lightly. I mean, Tariq Hill had almost 200 yards on less than 10 catches. Travis Kelsey, on the other hand, has 13 catches and has 120 yards. I mean, I literally don't know what you do to stop them from escape. There's just too much talent. Somebody's got to get hurt. I mean, at a certain point, they have to ask... They have to force somebody else to, to come up and, and you know fill the shoes of a Tariq Hill or a Travis Kelsey or a Patrick Mahomes in order to win. I don't know any other way. I don't think they're going to lose. That's it. I don't think it's going to happen. Well, this year, yeah. I, I, you know, I, I, and I'm going to say this right the hell now because this is one of my most annoying things that I see. You know, I know that we like to make these big uh, comparisons to other sports, but sometimes it just doesn't work. You know, to if, if you tell me that Patrick Mahomes versus Tom Brady is like LeBron James playing Michael Jordan, you sound like a fucking idiot. Do you know why? Because in basketball, if that were to happen, those two guys would actually go head-to-head. Yeah. Quarterbacks don't go against quarterbacks. This is the most annoying thing that, I, that we see from very smart people all the time. And, and I, I just... Patrick well, Mahomes is not going against Tom Brady. That's not what's happening here. Well, uh, well. also, well, if you want to take that kind of comparison even further, 
it's not every often that Michael Jordan would be covering LeBron James. They play different positions as well. So even that's kind of a silly one. It's, it's a little it's, bit it's silly, but, but also, right. like, at least it's a plausibility. You know, I mean, yeah. these guys are not on the field at the same time, period. It does not happen. So it's just such an annoying thing. And then, you know... Well, that's always a cliche answer. Every time you have an interview with somebody, you know, it's always, you know... How many times have you heard, like before an AFC Championship game, Brady would say, "Well, I'm not going up against Peyton Manning. It's you know, it's the Patriots versus the Colts." And it, he's absolutely right. It's like you're, you're right though. It's it's really silly, and I don't know. I mean, everybody loves to say, you know, Brady's the greatest of all time, and you know, I don't I don't want to minimize this, but if we take away Football is probably the biggest team championship of any sport, where basketball might be most influenced by an individual person. And, you know, if, you, if we want to take away the, the postseason run and the championship that he has, is Tom Brady the best quarterback of all time? Just by, you know, mechanics, by arm speed, by accomplishment and everything? I don't know. I think it's a lot more of a discussion. So when they see a guy like Mahomes who just – and they see the potential ahead of them and everything. I can see where they start make going crazy with this. But yes, that's fine to be to, to say, is he the heir apparent to be the next goat? Or I don't know, whatever. That's a perfectly fine thing. But to say that it's and I see it every fucking year. This isn't a this year thing. We see this all the time. You know, even dumb jokes that I know are not supposed to be taken seriously, but just like, oh, if if Green Bay really wanted to to beat Tampa Bay, they would have brought in Eli Manning. Like I know it's just a joke and like yeah. it's to be taken lightly, but it just perpetuates that same idea that like Eli Manning beat Tom Brady and they, they didn't. They did not beat each other. No, no, that doesn't happen. And well, you know, the same way that like people were like, oh, Eli only won that game because of Steve Spagnola, which comes from Eagles fans and Patriots fans or whoever. It's that's actually credible. Yes, it's more like quarterbacks go against defensive coordinators than anything else. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll buy that. Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, also, it's like that—that that is almost as big as a pet peeve as the. Well, there's no argument now that he's the goat because he took Tampa Bay to the Super Bowl. The dude like, is playing at like 42 years old. That should like, say wait a minute, enough. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. The guy's going to be in his 10th Super Bowl. He's been <laughs> in what 14 championship games. So, but you weren't sure until <laughs> this. This this, this game where he went with three touchdowns and three interceptions and under 300 yards. Now he's the GOAT. I get it now. Give me a break. It's the same thing about LeBron where they win the title last year. Well, that that makes my case that he is now the GOAT. It's like, no. He has a a, a 16-year resume, (laughs) which you can say – you can put that up against Jordan. And and I think both – Camps can make an argument. I know where I stand on that, but I can see the argument the other way. But making the argument that Brady is now the goat, like that final it, nail just hit the coffin. You weren't sure before then, but now, okay. Please. Yeah, that that's frustrating. Um, other things I got from that Kansas City Buffalo game, going on weird coaching decisions that we were kind of deciding before. Did you think it was weird? Um, going for the two-point conversion in this game? No. You didn't think so? I mean, 
looking at it, that, that put them down by 15, whereas kicking the extra point makes it a 16-point game. Either way, I, I don't see the benefit in going for two there. Uh, well, I mean, going for two makes it 15. You only have to get one more two-point conversion again as opposed to two, I think. I think they're it may be playing a little too far of a long game down what has to happen still. But I, you know, I, the, the the odds of making a two-point conversion are not as bad as everybody's afraid of, I think. And that's part of this thing about risk. And I've been doing a lot of research on risk and perceived risk and risk versus potential reward. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the odds are that you're, you're – probability of success is greater or it's not the, the it's high enough that you can take on extra risk to go for it in that spot i mean the bottom line is they're going to have to still score two touchdowns which is the bigger issue at, at hand than you know trying to chase later on but i think i think i would go for it too because i think you're kind of you know it's almost getting to be desperate time okay i mean that's fair i, I thought it was a little strange but um, and then, I, think it's strange, I think it's strange with things like what Pittsburgh always does is they get the ball to start a game, they drive, they get a touchdown, they go for two right away. You know, it's oh, that, like, that like college shit. Um, no, I mean that's that's a that's a kind of you a specific to Pittsburgh thing where they. they no, I mean, like two. that didn't Oregon make that famous with Chip Kelly, where he just he lined up to go for two every single one, every single after every single touchdown, and depending on what he saw, he would either motion back into a, a extra point or he would go for it? Uh, I think so. I try, to, I try to block out Chip Kelly out of my brain. No, I loved him when he was the Eagles head coach. That was the best. Fuck that guy. <laughs> <laughs> anybody anybody who thinks that UCLA is a better job than Florida, fuck him. Uh, no, um, I... There's... Again, the odds are greater, but I don't understand the need for putting on risk for something like that. There's no point for it. You know, it's like get your seven points early in the game. You're trying to accumulate points early, sure points. Well, yeah, I agree with you. On that first touchdown, I mean, unless you see something in the film room, we're cutting that out. On a face value, you get that first touchdown, make it seven points because if the other team gets a touchdown, they just kick the extra point there to get the lead. Right and off I, the bat. I, was, I mean, that's silly yeah. to me, yeah. I thought it was odd really odd that uh, at 24 to 12 Buffalo drives down the field against Kansas City and they get to Kansas City's 8 yard line it's 4th and 3 and they kick a field goal to make it 24-15 did you think that that was nonsense cuz I, I i i was really questioning that decision right there coaches always feel they have to come away with something and it's crazy i mean what does that get you? Uh, yeah, especially in this game against against Kansas City. This was a good drive you had. This is a real chance to make this close. And instead, you you wimp out on a field goal. You're at the eight yard line, man. I mean, go score. It's all it's all about you know again risk versus reward and just the fear the fear of getting nothing is paralyzing coaches where it, it shouldn't even be in, in the. Shouldn't even be in the thought process. That you, well, what if we have get nothing come out of this? You need to, you, if you're going to win, if you're going to win on the road, you're going to win on the road on in the conference championship game. If you're going to win on the road, the conference championship team against the best team probably in the last decade, 
you have to go for it. You have to play to win. Oh, definitely. You yeah. can't you can't coach like a pussy. I mean, we're talking about you know a quarterback who some people think is you know the second or third best quarterback in the league right now. Yeah, and this is your chance to score real points. Yeah, we've seen a lot of examples in these playoffs where people are leaving the Lamborghini in the garage and not driving with them. You know, it's just it's it's it's, it's been nuts. And I don't understand it. I mean, I, I don't know, you know, the book is the book, but if you're too much of a puss to use the book, what good's the book? I mean, you, sorry guys, gut feeling is no, you know, I, I, you, you've made a good point about, you know, we talked about the fourth and one thing. You made a very good point. Well, it also depends on how my team is doing and blah, blah, blah. But yeah, and this talk- is coming at the end of a long drive they had. Yeah, we're, we're talking about, you know, you factor those things in, but again, this seems to be overriding. Well, what if we get nothing out of it? And that scares the shit out of people, and it's stupid. And that's why you know something. That's one reason why they're going to be watching. You know, it, it, it's, I don't know, man. I just see these teams. They these coaching decisions. Just the guys they hire. It's just I know there's not that many great elite coaches out there. I just see a lot of boneheads, and I really. To me, you have a good head coach, you have a good quarterback, that's going to solve a big majority of your problems. And it's very hard to have both of them together. I mean, one team did it and they were good for 20 years. Uh, you know, how many other good teams can say they have both? Now, can you say that about Green Bay? No. Say that about Buffalo? Eh. You know, go up and down the list of, you know, San Francisco's a good Super Bowl team. They have a really good coach, quarterback? Eh. Rams? Good coach, quarterback, eh, up and down, you know, uh, there's not many teams like, you know, Baltimore could be a team where you think, and we, we have a question about Lamar Jackson, what he really is. Mm-hmm. And even, you know, Kansas City, you know, I think that uh, Andy Reid, Andy Reid's a great offensive mind. Is he a great head coach? Mm-hmm. Just because he won one Super Bowl, let's not ignore what his track record was for his entire time in Philly. You know, he made a very risky, risky, ballsy call last week that if, you know, that doesn't work, he's hanging in effigy somewhere. So we were talking earlier about boneheaded coaches um, and, and head coaching decisions. Uh, So this seems like an apt time to bring up the biggest bonehead organization other than Washington football team, and that is the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, they have fired Doug Peterson, finally, uh, a bonehead who, who fell backwards into a Super Bowl. Um, and they have – I'm not going to call these really necessarily bad decisions, but they're scary decisions. I mean if, if the Eagles were my team, I'm feeling real nervous about hiring a first-time head coach, Nick Sirianni, uh, to hire a an offensive coordinator who's coordinated three years, maybe two, one year, sorry, one year. Shane Steichen they took from Los Angeles and a first-time defensive coordinator, Jonathan Gannon, all guys under 40 years old, um, all mostly first-time everything. I mean, even Nick Sirianni has only been an offensive coordinator for three years. Seems like he was hired mainly because he worked for Frank Reich. I I don't know. Well, I mean, 
we didn't hire Tony with that much more credentials when we hired Joe Judge and we brought True, him. but you Patrick, Patrick, one of the things that we said that were really good is that he surrounded himself with former head coaches. Right. Now they if they has he filled out his whole staff just yet or is he just not the whole staff, no no no, but but the, the main structure is there and there's not a lot of experience in the main structure. Yeah. I I mean listen, I'm never a fan of just hiring you know, first-time guys. I want somebody to cut their teeth somewhere, whether they're successful or not. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I get a little nervous when a guy has never had experience in coming in. Um, you know, yeah, but now you're talking about three guys with very little experience between the three of them. Yeah, but again, that's, that's that would make me nervous. Yeah, sure. And but you know, let's see how else they kind of round out the staff. They may have some guys that are like a position coach, maybe an O-line sure. coach or something, or. You know what they call them analysts now. Maybe somebody comes in who's an analyst who's you know looking to get his career you know righted again. So yeah, I, I I agree. I mean this is not the greatest uh, division right now for coaching. No, think, no, no, I not say at all. So, <laughs> and talent and quarterbacks, it's, it's pretty much dog shit right now. And yeah. um, you know, also remember something as well with Philly. We discussed this. They got a lot of work to do. They have uh, they're yeah. in cap hell. I don't know what their draft situation is. I'm sure it's not good. So, does it really make any sense to really spend a lot of money on a big name quarterback, uh, a coach, to turn this mess around? Maybe you bring in a guy like this for two to three years to be the placeholder, to be the babysitter, and then you know maybe you draft a quarterback, maybe you you know you get out of cap hell, and then all of a sudden it's a little more attractive. I, I you know I don't know. Um, but you know, I'm just going to kind of run through what we're looking at since this is a big time division opponent. Nick Sirianni was offensive coordinator for Indianapolis under Frank Reich from 2018 to 2020. Um, prior to that, only a wide receiver and quarterback coach. Um, he he did. A, you can go all the way back to 2004 then with his coaching, but mostly assistant jobs and, and things of that nature uh, in, in Kansas City and San Diego slash Los Angeles. Uh, Shane Steichen, the offensive coordinator he brought in, was most recently the offensive coordinator for the Chargers in 2020. Um, prior to that, he was only really a quarterback's coach. Um, you know, a lot of people in L.A. were happy to see him go, from what I'm reading. He's had some dubious play-calling situations the last year, including but not limited to running the ball on third down as the clock was expiring for the half. Twice, only a couple weeks apart. That's a pretty egregious time management error there. But, you know, while there is some doubt there, uh, at least he's had some level of – I mean, I I could say that the Chargers on offense looked pretty good with Justin Herbert. You know, it's a rookie quarterback back there. So, you know, there's something there maybe. Jonathan Gannon is the one that I'm a little bit more scared of. Uh, He was a DB coach for a total of like three years. And he's only ever been like a quality control coach or an assistant position coach before that. That to me, I mean, now you're just throwing inexperience. You're out there. you're reaching for the scaring. I mean, yeah. to me, again, you can have the greatest cook in the kitchen, but if he doesn't have the right uh, ingredients, he's just this. This whole thing seems just, like yeah, it doesn't, like it, trying to get out the door as fast as as you can and leaving the car running with the garage door closed. I it just, I don't know why you're doing any of this here. Yeah. Um, right. On the flip side, Cowboys. Um, you know, my my awful analogy to NASCAR and Daytona or whatever whatever mistake I made with that uh, fired their defensive coordinator and they brought in Dan <laughs> Quinn from Atlanta to be their defensive coordinator. Uh, you know, 
most famously probably as defensive coordinator for the Legion of Boom in Seattle when they were really, really good, um, but also a former Florida coach. Would you, would you say he's most famous for just blowing so many leads in Atlanta at this point? I mean, defensive I, I don't know. I, defensive I, coordinators I mean, are... Does that count as infamous? Yeah, I mean, just notoriety. Yeah, I, I don't know which which is which is more... Yeah. He's a guy where, you know, at Florida people, because we obviously have a very inferior defensive coordinator who, for some reason, Dan Mullen will not get rid of, and we won't even mention his name on this on this broadcast. But, you know, a lot of Florida fans always like to bring up names from the past that they love to bring back. Like, they love to bring back Charlie Strong as defensive coordinator. Love to bring back Dan Quinn. Um, very aggressive defense uh, aggressive, but not being careless. I think the problem with like Florida's defense now is we just blitz just for the sake of blitzing, like blitzing two corners way off the side where they're never ever get to the quarterback and everybody's out of whack. He's more of a controlled chaos with with, with his uh, pressure. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he's he's. I think he definitely is going to fall into that category of great coordinator, not good head coach. Yeah, I, I think I agree. I think this is a scary hire. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm not thrilled about Dan Quinn. And they nabbed him quick, man. I mean, what was that like? A two day turnaround, and he's suddenly a defensive coordinator in Dallas. Yeah, that well, sucks. I mean, remember something too that uh, you know, Urban Meyer just went back into the league, mm-hmm. and he was basically cherry picking whoever he wanted for his staff. So the decision might have been to like get him hired as fast as you can because he was he was looking around for people. I mean. It, is it unprecedented? Is it possible for Dan Quinn to back out of that contract and, and jump over to Jacksonville? Sure. I, I, is it? I mean, I don't know. I'm kind of basing this off of the Josh McDaniel situation in Indianapolis a couple of years ago. And, and I don't and really know how far into the process he got if he only agreed verbally and then once he showed up, he left or, or what happened there. I mean, you could just quit, you know, and just say, I'm just, you know, maybe there's a there's some sort of thing in this contract where you can, you know, from – Day one to day two, there's a buyout or something. I don't know. It depends on how this thing is structured. But, yeah. I mean, I don't think – they didn't work that closely together. I mean, I think they did they didn't even overlap, Quinn and, and Urban in Florida. So it's not a question – it's not like he's bringing in, uh, you know, uh, Dan Mullen, for example, who had a, they had a long working relationship. Mm-hmm. So just because they both coach at the same school at different times doesn't mean he's jumping at Jacksonville. But he is certainly a, a marquee name for coordinators out there. And – you know, Urban was casting a pretty wide net of who the guys he wanted, but I don't. I don't. I think the chances of him jumping to Jacksonville are pretty low. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I. That's a bummer because I'd like him to get the fuck out of this division. Uh, yeah. Oh well. Well, yeah, um, like, yeah, coordinators are coordinators. If they're worth their salt, they're moving on at some point. They're gonna. They're, a guy like him, he's probably gonna want another. He's not. Doesn't have the head coaching. Uh, juice out of him yet? He's probably well, especially since he went to a Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah. So don't be surprised if uh, you know we have a halfway decent. I mean, it's the same thing like Jason Garrett. You know, sure. It, 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 you know, some people may not think he's a joke and are kind of concerned about him. But you know, something if Jason Garrett shows any success, I mean, God, he almost had another job as head coach right now. Yeah. So that's going to do it for us. We will see you all next week. Um, In the interim, 
you know, this is going to be kind of a bland week unless there's a big splash somewhere with a coaching hire or fire or free agent extension or something like that. But, you know, not much going to go on. So Don't worry, Grump. I'm sure we'll talk for another 55, 60 minutes about the same rule. We'll bring up that rule thing. We'll bring the the best band in the universe conversation back. Where's the best pizza? I mean, I can go on. I'll argue with you about Oh, yeah. We have lots of topics set up for our – our future uh once we get patreon set up the bonus coverage <laughs> yeah yeah um but in the interim i'm on twitter of course at football underscore grump so you can follow me there i am as always at the cranky fan i have been slammed with work i've not been very active lately but i will start rearing my ugly head again we have the knicks playing like sort of like an nba basketball team lately lightning are obviously great florida basketball is just kind of i don't know circling the drain a little bit spring training is coming up we gotta get out of this house we we, we need we need the vaccines i'm sorry but that's me the cranky fan go go follow me and as always this podcast can be found on itunes soundcloud spotify wherever podcasts are that's where we are be sure to subscribe there for free and all these episodes are in your queue ready to go first thing in the morning that's all for us we'll see you next week go giants go giants